from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. Morning, Gina. How are you? I'm well. How are you this morning, I Deacon woke Mike? up to some very devastating news this morning. Oh, no. What happened? Uh, the Iowa State Fair has been canceled. I know. I, uh, you know I'm, not a, I'm not a big, big, big fair fan. Uh, I don't go out there every year, but I am going to miss it, not being here. It's clearly a loss and a change in things going on. And Absolutely. I, I feel sorry for all those vendors who go from fair to fair well, that are being canceled. What about and the kids that have put in a year's worth of work to... Right, you and know. yeah, the 4-H'ers or whatever, the future farmers of America that are raising pigs and cows and putting on craft projects and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, they'll lose out. Plus the little kids that like to go there and ride on the rides and see the animals and do all those things too. And the big kids <laughs> like to do some of that too. I suppose they'll have record attendance next year because everyone will be pent up and ready to go well we won't have record attendance this year we know no. that <laughs> so uh anyway so the the coronavirus has taken another uh, another victim i guess and that's the iowa fair i guess the other fairs around the uh, the midwest have been canceled too i um yes i don't think you can go out of state to enjoy a state fair i don't think you can i don't think you can there are some that are later in the year i think some of them are, are in in september now, I don't know how you get away with the fair in September when kids are back in school, but uh, they do. So we'll see if, if they cancel theirs. I don't. I have to tell you, I was in Florida, I want to say in the fall, like September, October, mm-hmm. and the state fair in Florida was going on, and I thought, mm-hmm. that just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a summer event, yeah. you know. And to us, it truly is. Well, you know what we can do? We can rent the movie, State Fair. I know some people that are actually planning on doing that that and putting a a small group (laughs) together to watch it. Having a fair party in their house. you have a prayer to open this up with? I do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen Strengthen us in hope. And give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. we got an interesting program today. We have Catholic journalist Dexter Dugan, who is going to join us in a few minutes. He uh, is a reporter for The Wander. We've had him on before. Yes. And um, he uh, does reporting. I write a column, so he he does more words in a week than I he do. He does more research. He too. does more <laughs> research and more words, and he actually goes out and he and he interviews people and goes to things uh, where I don't do a lot of that as as a columnist. No, you, I, uh, you do a lot of history reference. I uh, well, he's more current affairs. Yeah, he and, and he and he does a lot of uh, political coverage too, at least in the Arizona area where he's from. So we'll talk to him. We'll talk to him about some pro-life activities. And he was quoted in a book uh, by a, a law professor dealing with abortion, and he had some ideas on uh, how the pro-life groups can can attack the abortion um, epidemic. 
right? Uh, and uh, and so we'll ask him about that. And I talk have to a tell you, this is a uh, this is going to be interesting talk speaking to him because it was what drew me to the show and to your you know the oh so many years ago mm-hmm. listening to you do a historical perspective of. What happened uh, in Roe v. Wade and uh, just uh, chronologically putting together the policy changes that uh, got us to the point we are today. So I do love this issue because the more we know, the the more we know. Well, then you'll be happy to visit with Dexter. I am. Dexter, I'm looking forward Dexter's to a good guy. Dexter's a good guy. And then we're going to talk to Robert Ritchie from America Needs Fatima. You know, in this time of crisis, I guess you'd call it a crisis or a semi-crisis or a full boom, whatever you want to call it, um, we need to take a different look at how we respond to some of these things. Obviously, we have to do things here. We have to, you know, follow politics. We have to vote accordingly. We have to uh, articulate our beliefs appropriately. We can't back down from the cross. Okay, we're we suffer on that cross too. But uh, uh, we do need to look at prayer, and we do need to look to heaven to help us out with some of this. Exactly. And who better to help us than our mother, Mary? That's right. And she came to us visually through the children in Fatima. And I look forward to the yeah, second e- segment also. Yeah. Every little boy, when he has a problem, runs to his mother. And so I don't know why we don't run to our mother right now. All right. Well, we'll be re-ba- uh, back shortly with Dexter in just a few minutes right after these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmentinternational.org. That's blessmentinternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq Des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, Dexter Dugan is a Catholic journalist. He's a reporter for The Wanderer, the newspaper that I write a column for every week. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of pro-life activity, and he uh, covers that and a number of other things for The Wanderer. Dexter is in Arizona. Dexter, I take it you're still in Arizona these days. Yes, I'm in Phoenix. I moved uh, last year up into the lower slopes of a mountain. I've been always down in the flatlands. But now I'm up above the high rises in Phoenix. You're moving up the mountain. Right. (laughs) Well, very good. Uh, Dexter, uh, there was a recent book that was uh, just published, I think, in March of this year by a law professor from, I believe she was from Florida State, about abortion and the law in America. I don't have a copy of that book yet. I I know that you do, but you were quoted in it, and uh, you gave uh, the professors uh, uh, some of uh, your ideas about where abortion came from and where it's going to. Uh, You have a can you give us a little bit of a, you know, the thumbnail version of what uh, uh, your uh, part in that book was? Well, I actually don't have a hard copy of that book yet because they have it only digital because of the current virus situation. Ah. So I did see some proof pages that the author, Professor Mary Ziegler, sent me. Uh, she had interviewed me on a recorded telephone line, and because she's a historian, she's not dashing to get out the very next day's newspaper. But this is something like for the ages. Mm-hmm. So she said, I'll let you see the page proofs, and I, I did. And then the book did go digital uh, in from Cambridge University Press in England a few months ago, but I'm still waiting to get my hard copy version. So in this book, uh, Professor Ziegler looks at the second generation of uh, pro-life, the first generation being people like Drs. Mildred Jefferson, Carolyn Gerster, and Jack Wilkie, people who had established careers when Roe versus came along. Roe versus Wade came along, and now she's looking at people who were younger, just coming up at that time, and she was aware of some of my activities. In fact, I was surprised when she first emailed me to say, I'd like to do a recorded telephone interview with you, that she had already researched my past. And so I thought, well, I hope she didn't find any any skeletons there, Dexter. Uh, Pardon me. I say I hope she didn't find any skeletons there. (laughs) Well, before you started climbing up the mountainside, I I only did that last August. (laughs) But so I I am in her book. I'm on what was it, maybe five pages or so. I'm not a major topic of the book. I'm just one of the many people uh, she mentioned on the abortion issue. And of course, many other people were active in the pro-life movement who um, just aren't in the book, but uh, I I guess she first saw some of of my writing, because I've been writing for pro-life. I first wrote for The Wanderer, as a matter of fact, way back in 1978, 
when I was covering the trial in Orange County, California, of an abortionist, Dr. William Waddell, who was accused of strangling a baby girl who had survived a saline abortion and was taken to the hospital newborn nursery. And during that trial, I saw another baby, a one-year-old baby girl, who was brought into the trial to show babies can survive saline abortion, and that was Gianna Jessen. No. So a lot of people know Gianna Jessen now, sure. but I saw her when she saw her when she was a one-year-old baby. How did that trial come out, by the way? Was the guy convicted? There were actually two mistrials. Hmm. Uh, in the first mistrial, a lot of evidence was introduced uh, about whether the Avila uh, uh, had been distended in her lungs. In other words, if they say she never survived after the abortion, she was never a legal person. And as the jury was deliberating, Judge Turner at the first trial called the jurors in and said, I'm changing the definition of death on you, not cessation of heartbeat and respiration, which you have been deliberating about already, but we're going to use the definition of brain death. So this is just suddenly dropped into the jurors' laps, and they say, well, Judge, what is brain death? And he said, I can't tell you. So that trial ended in a mistrial. The second trial, the next year, uh, a lot of the jurors, I think, had the idea by then, these are different jurors, of course, mm -hmm. that, um, uh, well, you know, the mother wanted an abortion, she got an abortion, what's the problem? And so that entered as a, a mistrial also, not a conviction, not, a, not an acquittal. And so when the prosecutor, Bob Chatterton, asked for another trial, uh, judge, uh, the judge in that case said, well, we've been down this road two times already, uh, we're not going to have another trial. So Dr. Waddell ended up not exonerated and not uh, convicted. It's interesting that the judge didn't ask, answer the question. You know, I've been in a number of jury trials where the jurors have come back and they've had a question, and, uh, and basically the judge, well, he, he usually discusses it with the attorneys involved. And a lot of times they'll send back the answer. You've got to figure that out for yourself especially if it's a factual question. You look like you had a question, well, Gina. It, I know. I'm, I'm just astounded by the whole story of this, Dexter. I can't, I, I, it so, shows such bias in the, in the court. I, well, you'd have to think so because, first of all, the jurors were talked, told uh, cessation of heartbeat and respiration. So that's something they can deal with. But now suddenly the judge says, come on back in here to the courtroom. I have new information for you. And so they're wondering if a baby can be breathing and yet be brain dead or have a heartbeat and be brain dead. And the judge said, well, I can't get into that. And so what could they do? They just sort of had to throw up their hands and uh, that there was no conclusion uh, of verdict one way or the other in that trial. It is amazing. But uh, back then, people were still swallowing the misinformation the major media were giving that abortion was legal for only three months, for only six months, and so on. And I personally know the prosecution originally believed this was an illegal abortion because I was hearing that. And I was telling them, no, it's not an illegal abortion. And, in fact, the trial did not deal with that issue. The trial, they knew by that time, was the uh, baby had been taken to the newborn nursery. Uh, she was identified as a baby girl weaver. And uh, the chief of pediatrics at that time, Ronald Cornelson, said he saw Dr. Waddell pressing down on the baby's neck in her isolate after Waddell had dismissed the nursing staff, told them to get out of the room. Unbelievable. Yeah. I can't help but draw parallels to um, contemporary uh, images of the George Floyd. You know, if the, if the world saw that abortion the way they're recognized, you know, it would be 
the parallels would be right there, and there would be outrage and people on the streets. Well, and the, the L.A. Times assiduously edited that case out of most of its papers. Back wow. then, the uh, L.A. Times had a total circulation over of a million daily copies, and this trial was in Orange County, directly south of L.A. County, and most days, the Woodell trial did not even get into the main edition at all. They kept the story mostly confined to the Orange County edition, even though the Times headquarters was just a one-hour drive up the freeway from where the trial was going on. They did not want people to know, like the major media. Well, like the Gosnell trial. Pardon me? Like the Gosnell trial. I like the Gosnell yeah, trial. Just exactly. like that. Yeah, no coverage. So tell me, in um, do you know about Mary's book? Is she uh, does she cover these pieces of history that in the court systems, the Gosnell and these in the nineteen seventy well, cases? She, she, she is a published abortion historian. I in fact knew her name from seeing her having some articles in the New York Times. So when I got this email from Mary Ziegler, I I said, "Oh, is that that person I've read?" And uh, sure enough, it was. And like I say, somehow she had come across me and then wanted to interview me. Uh, so she, she's not a topical writer where she's uh, like writing a weekly column or anything, but she is a published historian, and uh, mm-hmm. she has, as I indicate, got, got some of her articles into the New York Times. When I, she came to interview you, um, how did she treat you, and did she accurately reflect what you you told her, and I'm and I'm asking the question because I know there's there's been somebody else out there who's misrepresented you in in uh, publication. Exactly, you know, she said I want to interview you. She did it on a recorded telephone line, and then after she had her drafts ready, her proofs ready, she sent them to me by email to allow me to look over them. I said, okay, here's a here's a little error here. Let's fix this and so on. And she was perfectly willing to go with me whatever I said was wrong and she said yeah that's that's right let's fix it so she gave me warning she was very careful and again she's a historian she's not dashing out some article for the very next day in contrast I was shocked to discover in late April 2017 that James Hitchcock a very well-known and respected Catholic historian from the latter 20th century had brought out a separate book that he'd never warned me about, never interviewed me about, never even told me it was being published. Uh, as a writer, I web-searched my name at least a few times a week to see if anyone's saying anything about me. I had never been warned about the book, which is named Abortion, Religious Freedom, and Catholic Politics. I'm on 20 pages in the index of that book, and almost everything Dr. Hitchcock writes about me is simply completely false. Not a little misunderstanding. He just makes things up, and he misattributes other people's quotations to me. This is astounding, especially from a respected person. I liked him. I liked him a lot, and I couldn't understand this. In three years, he has never replied to me as to how any of these errors were made, and he even went on EWT and the Global Catholic Television Network for at least 90 minutes. That's nine zero minutes of interviews. They promoted his book, they sold the book directly from EWTN, and in the two and a half years since he appeared, they have not let me come on the air to correct any of the errors. It's just astounding. What do you account that to? Do you have any ideas, since he hasn't well, returned your calls? I think, I think people are just very embarrassed about how they got uh, led into promoting these errors, and they're too embarrassed to say, we're sorry. Meanwhile, that leaves me hanging out there, 
as this promoter of pro-abortion politicians. Uh, on page 69, for instance, Dr. Hitchcock describes Barry Goldwater as fanatically pro-abortion, and two paragraphs later, on the same page, he says, I, Dugan, believed pro-abortion Goldwater was worthy of unquestioning support. There's nothing he cites about that, nothing he can cite about it. He just tosses off falsehoods like that, and he, at that time, when the book came out, was a professor at both St. Louis University, a Jesuit institution, and the seminary for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So when he says, I, I as a Catholic, well, he doesn't say I as a Catholic, but he's talking about the Wander. This is a Catholic newspaper. He does say, I believe fanatically pro-abortion Goldwater deserved unquestioning support. And for EWTN to promote that kind of book and never allow me to correct it, it's just, it's just beyond comprehension. And Dr. Hitchcock, as I say, has never in three years even acknowledged making a single error not even saying, well, you know, I, I did sort of screw up there or whatever. And he has written and in the three years, uh, since this time of year in 2017, he wrote me only one four-sentence letter in June of 2019, where he again just accused me of being a, a loyal Goldwaterite, which to him, of course, means a bad Catholic. He says you can't be an Orthodox Catholic and a loyal Goldwaterite. Well, he, he obviously wrote, hasn't read any of your stuff. Which well, I see every week. <laughs> Mike, on EWTN, he said he's a, a regular reader of The Wanderer, and he marks it up as he reads it. So he's giving us this impression of care. And in the book, I'll say, like Dugan said on so-and-so, on such-and-such a date. But then what he says is totally inaccurate, totally made up. It's yeah. just hard to believe. Well, I know how easy it is to pull something out of context, too, and, <laughs> and, and make it sound like uh, the opposite that it's supposed to be. Right. Well, these, these are my published articles. He's not, he's not saying a secret memo reveals Dugan did so-and-so. He says, you know, in the wander... On that that we would believe, uh, that you were doing something secret and hidden and working <laughs> with the CIA or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> ne- next time, Mary Ziegler will write about my CIA reputation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, often in, in this particular issue, especially, um, people will write things erroneously, hoping that it sticks, you know, because it's much harder to correct something when it doesn't. Now, whether it's intentional or not, I'm not here to say. But as you read more of his writings, do you find that he um, misquotes other individuals or misquotes other facts to promote his case? I I later learned that uh, a website called Eastern Catholicism said that uh, he had very seriously, seriously erred where he was writing about Eastern Catholicism in a book that came out about three years before this particular book did. And as I say that, he and I both were contributing editors at the National Catholic Register in the early 80s, and he knew my reputation. Then he referred favorably to me a few times in his column in the Register. So it's just incomprehensible. His knowing I was a pro-lifer back then, he suddenly now writes that back then and going forward, I was this promoter of abortion politicians. I I just have no explanation, and he has never given one. Well, as a journalist myself, you know, my uh, undergraduate degree is in journalism, and I worked many, many years. I shouldn't say many, many years. I worked a few years uh, as a newspaper editor and reporter, and and I've written an awful lot of articles 
in my lifetime, not only as a reporter, but later uh, sending in uh, op-eds to the Des Moines Register here, uh, and then uh, uh, my on-again, off-again relationship with the Wanderer, where I've been a contributor for many years, and then became a columnist this week, that what I know about writing and what I know about journalism is there are some people out there who are just sloppy and they just don't check their facts. And I know if I had something wrong in an article or in a column, I'd want to know and I'd want to be able to correct that then the following week or whenever I, it was brought to my attention. Because one of the things that journalists are supposed to do is we're supposed to bring truth to our reader. Sometimes the truth is something that we don't want to tell them, or sometimes the truth is something that we think is, is going to cause a negative reaction, but it's the truth, and it's the truth that has to be told. And uh, to be sloppy, um, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that, Dexter. Um, I hope you have a good lawyer. <laughs> well, the publisher has gone through three lawyers, and I've gone through three lawyers, and we're nowhere. <laughs> uh, the, the publisher really is just hard-nosed. I really thought when I first wrote them, they would be happy and, in fact, in a rush to make these corrections. No, they've just stuck out their jaw like Dr. Hitchcock himself has, like EWTN has. We're not making corrections is what, is what it comes down to. And, and these are documented. Um, you've written them. You've published your statements on these issues. So it's something that's in the public domain that, that can be verified that... Oh, sure. These you, you are just, not truths. You just read the article. Uh, when I covered a meeting of the Maricopa County, which is the Phoenix area Republican committeeman, uh, back in 2010, I clearly was covering the official Republican Party, and I got a few quotes there against a pro-abortion Democrat extremist. But in his book, Dr. Hitchcock writes that I covered a meeting of, quote, true conservatives, unquote, which is a term he uses to mean people who, who look down their noses at pro-lifers, don't like pro-lifers at all. So at this meeting of so-called true conservatives, I allegedly said they, quote, were ecstatic, unquote, over a pro-abortion Republican. So the story is completely falsified, and he, uh, Dr. Hitchcock has never, and he does this time and again, and he has never offered any explanation about how it happened. It's just unbelievable. Well, well I, I'm certainly glad that uh, Mary Ziegler has published this book and used your information. It, it will be something that you can use to point out this is exactly how it works, and, and Mary Ziegler has done a nice job of presenting your views in, in her historical representation of the Roe v. Wade. You're starting to feel a little empathetic to um, uh, uh, President Trump when he <laughs> talks about fake news. <laughs> I've thought of that more than once. At least he's got a big pulpit. Unfortunately, I don't. Well, your show can be a pulpit for me. Well, for for the 12 people that are listening. Are I, said, yeah. <laughs> I think we may be up there. Yeah. Well, hopefully the people in central Iowa anyway will uh, will know what's going on. Dex, I want to thank you for joining us today. We're looking forward to getting this book, and we might uh, want to contact Mary and... Uh, Set her up for an interview with it when when the book comes yes, out. Thanks for pointing it out. And, to and us. if we can't and if we can't get a hold of her for some reason, we'll use you as our intermediary. Sure, and she is at Florida State University, as you said, at law school there. Dexter, thank you very much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. Very happy to be with you. Thank you. You're this welcome. is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be back in three minutes.
Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. High pressure is covering most of the northern and central plains, and we should be getting fair weather through the upcoming weekend. Low 80s for this afternoon, and mostly sunny wind will be kicking up to about 25 miles per hour. Overnight, clear in upper 50s, looks like mid-80s and sunny tomorrow. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Um, we're waiting here for Robert Ritchie to join us uh, on the phone um, from America Needs Fatima. Maybe while we're waiting for Ritchie to uh, get to us, we might talk a little bit about what Fatima was. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that may have heard about Fatima that uh, don't know the whole story of Fatima. It happened in uh, 1917 in uh, uh, Fatima, Portugal. In Portugal, that's and right. There were three shepherd children mm-hmm. who received an apparition from the Blessed Virgin. Fifteenth of the month for how many 13th. months? Thirteenth. Thirteenth of the month. month from May till October. Right. And the and she told the children that in October she would tell them who she was 
and perform a miracle so everyone could believe. Mm -hmm. And um, so as they went back each month to to the apparition site, um, the crowd started growing, mm-hmm. and they continued to grow. And, of course, the socialist government in, pa- uh, in uh, uh, Portugal at the time wanted to put an end to, put it. An end to this. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was uh, they kidnapped the kids in August. Mm-hmm. And so the actual them. apparition was not till like, the 19th or something like that when she saw the kids again. But uh, there were crowds waiting uh, at the apparition site, and the kids didn't show up, and it was the uh, authorities that had them. Uh, anyway, uh, during the course of the uh, apparitions, uh, she gave the children some secrets. Uh, one of the secrets was uh, that she wanted the... Um, uh, Russia to be consecrated to her, right? Okay? Uh, and that if it was not done, that uh, Russia would spread its heirs throughout the world. That was one. The other one was she showed them a vision of hell. <laughs> yes. And um, and and she told them this is where people who go who don't have anybody to praise for them, and the kids reported, or at least uh, the eldest one reported later when she was writing her memoirs that souls were falling into hell like snowflakes going down and it so, scared the children and at it the scared time. the children mm-hmm. the children had been told that they were going to go to heaven right and uh and they said later that had they not known that they would have died from fright in looking at that apparition the third secret she gave them is something that's still clouded in mystery Right. Whether that third secret has been uh, revealed fully or not, we just don't know. Um, there's the Vatican tried to give us an explanation of it at one time. Gave us, a, you know, the the bishop in white being shot and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it didn't come with any explanation. Every time Mary showed the children something, they'd get a vision, but she'd explain to them what it was. So what we got thus far from the third secret is we got a vision, but we don't have an explanation with it. So there's a lot of controversy about that third secret. But anyway, uh, what happened in uh, October then when they came, there were like 70,000 people there uh, watching this, waiting for this miracle. And at the appropriate time, Mary showed up. Uh, the kids asked her about the... Uh, um, the uh, miracle, if it right. was going to happen. And there okay. was dancing and, in the... And, and so what, what Mary did was uh, she raised her arm and the the sun danced in the sky. Mm-hmm. And, and all those people all saw All those it. people saw it, and uh, people not only saw it there, but in like a 70-mile radius of mm-hmm. there they saw it. I think we have Robert with us today. Robert? Yes, Thank you for having me. Good. Thank you for joining us. We're just uh, going through a little bit of the background of what Fatima was uh, back in 1917, what the apparition was all about, and the three secrets that the children were told. Um, But um, Mary gave us some messages during that period of time that I think during our time right now, as we're looking at what is going on on Earth, we're looking at... uh, uh, the pandemic that's going on. We're looking at the riots that are going on right now. We're looking at the division in the country that we have right now. What's the message from Fatima for us today? Well, the, the overriding message that the Blessed Mother gave to the three children was 
a message of prayer, penance, and amendment of life. She did give concrete things for people to do in order to live out those three things. But essentially, uh, the, the life of, of the true Catholic is in, to be in union with the grace uh, and the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ. When people live outside of the state of grace, outside of the friendship of God, all kinds of conflict and chaos, chaos will, will happen. So the Blessed Mother was trying to save us from those terrible consequences of sin. So she came and asked for prayer, penance, and amendment of life. And especially when she talked about prayer, she asked for the recitation of the Holy Rosary. Now, uh, maybe we should back up here a little bit. You're with a group called America Needs Fatima. Why don't you explain to us what your group is and how that fits into what we're talking about? America Needs Fatima is a campaign of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. It's been around since uh, 1973 here in the United States. It was inspired by the work of a Brazilian intellectual Catholic called Plinio Correa de Oliveira. And the work of America Needs Fatima is to make the Fatima message become part of people's everyday lives and also to have a very public profile for the Fatima message. Uh, we have volunteers that go out onto the streets and pray the public rosary, which we call the Public Square Rosary Crusade. Every month, we have about a 1,000 rally captains who stand out on visible street corners and do campaigns praying the rosary and holding signs about the Fatima message. And then every year in October, we have 20,000 Public Square Rosary rallies all across the country and throughout 36 other countries as well. 20,000 individual rosary rallies, average between 20 and 25 people in each one of these rallies. So it gives a very public profile. But, of course, uh, it's not sensational, and, of course, it's not communist, so you won't hear about that in the media. <laughs> Nobody uh, in any of your rallies throws rocks through anybody's window? No, it's, uh, <laughs> we have a tremendous record of being very peaceful but very effective. Uh, all the police that we've talked to, they, they investigate our organization come October because there's so many rallies. And they say, yes, we know your organization has 30 years of peaceful praying in public, so we know what type of people you are. These are the most ordered, peaceful, and prayerful people you'll find anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that they're averaging around 25 people because we do our altar and rosary society at St. Augustine here in Des Moines, my parish, uh, these ladies organize our public rosary for our parish and our parishioners. And there's usually about 25 to 30 people. And I always think, wow, that's such a small group. But it, effective, absolutely, but small. So I'm glad to hear that we're right there in the average. Right. Well, if you think about it this way, is it better to have one big rally with two or 3,000 people, or is it better to have 20,000 rallies with 25 people? True. And uh, just the impact in a person seeing that everywhere they go, because just think about it, there are 18,000 parishes in the United States. There are more rosary rallies all around the country come October than there are parishes. So that's an incredible presence of the Blessed Mother in our country. And I believe that at this time, to fight against the social chaos, uh, the social hatred that's going on. It's not just enough to take measures uh, in the practical world, but it's very important to move God and the Blessed Mother to send graces to take away this type of infestation, this type of agitation that is uh, spreading like wildfire. And, and by, with the help of God is, one, one of the, is the most effective way 
to counter all of these riots. I just read an interesting article this morning showing how there's an enormous number of witches that are participating in these riots, and they have a place on the Internet where they teach other witches how to put spells on the police and to act out these type of diabolical actions over the police. And they've already had one, more than one million hits on their site. So the involvement of the supernatural with the side of God and Our Lady against the preternatural with these witches and the devil is very true. Wow, I hadn't heard that side of this whole thing, so thank you for painting that image, I think. I have to say, though, that Mary's message in Fatima and many of the apparitions, and as we know from history, she has asked us to pray the rosary, and it has made effective changes in our world, bringing peace and love where there's evil and darkness. So um, I hope that your message continues to spread, because it's so important. Well, actually, we have a, a new initiative that just started uh, three weeks ago. We have nine groups of young men. Each one is called a caravan, and each one has a title, uh, an invocation of the Blessed Virgin Mary attached to it, so like Mother of Mercy, Mother of Peace, and each one goes around, and they're traveling the whole country doing rosary rallies at state capitals and at symbolic locations all across the, comp- the country, and they're going to be doing that until they cover the whole country this summer. Wow. Will they be in Des Moines? Uh, I don't know when they'll be there, but they will be in Wisconsin, and they, they, uh, is, uh, sorry for this stupid question, but is that the capital? It's Iowa. Yeah, Des Moines is the capital of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay, they will That's be in Des Moines. Question. They will be there. I don't know what day, but they will be there. Now, is that schedule posted someplace? Do you have a, a website? Well, we're a little, we don't always post the, the where we're going to be because, uh, because of the Antifa and the other people that follow them. That they, that what they Smart. do is if you post where you're going to be in advance, they wait for you, and they make trouble. They make so we only tell people that are on our list about two or three days before we get there. Okay, okay. Wonderful. It's just you've got to be as wise, cunning as the serpent, innocent as the dove, but you've got to be cunning as the serpent, because <laughs> the people on the other side, they, they don't like to play clean. It's a dirty, dirty game, let me tell you. Oh, we've gathered that. Um, what is going on right now in, in the world and in the United States uh, there's been a lot of controversy about whether this is God trying to get our attention or whether we've kind of, uh, you know, crossed the line somewhere and he's trying to pull us back. You know, we read these biblical plagues and things from uh, the Old Testament where the Jews go off in a tangent of their own and there's some um, upheaval and they tend to come back. Uh, you think there's something like that that might be going on? Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. There's two things. When God chastises, as we see with the current coronavirus crisis uh, and these riots, it is a way of chastising mankind for its sins. St. Augustine says that the nations do not have an individual history uh, in the afterlife. Our social entity uh, as a society is either rewarded or punished in this life. So the sins of the nations are punished here. So absolutely, yeah, we, ha- we definitely have a factor of punishment involved. But then uh, we have to always add that there's a medicinal character also to punishment, that God always wishes to bring the sinner back, to convert the sinner, to heal the bruised reed. Uh, and, and that's why these chastisements have a very strong medicinal effect. And we've seen conversions happening in the midst of these sufferings because really it's in the midst of sufferings that God talks to us the loudest. I think it was 
uh, I forget what saint said that, that when, uh, when we're receiving consolations, God whispers to us. When we, see, when we have a little bit of suffering, God is talking to us, but when we have great sufferings and chastisement, God is screaming to us. So I think really that this is a, a moment of just punishment because of sin, but at the same time it's a very medicinal period where God is calling people to convert, and he's giving the medicine in a pill of suffering. I think that's something uh, that we want to keep in the forefront of our minds, that God is always calling us to conversion, to convert back to him, regardless of what our past is or what we've been doing or what we have done, uh, that his arms are still open for us. He's like the, the father of the prodigal son. He's always looking for us to come back. And um, hopefully we'll get the message and we will return like the prodigal son did. Absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, you and I have talked about this before. Several very beautiful and touching cases of people that live sinful lives, but in view of the suffering of the coronavirus crisis and all of these writings, I said, wait a minute, there's something deeply wrong. Am I somehow also in a sinful way that needs to be converted? And, and they've turned away from sinful lives, and they've come back to the Church, and sometimes these people are actually the best Catholics have the most fervor because they want to make up for their past life. I, I just received a testimonial from an ex-pornographer who converted from his distribution of pornography, and he was so disgusted with his sin, uh, and he was so happy to be able to try to undo all the evil that he, he did. And you could see such a, like a St. Augustine-like conversion, such a man trying to do good now. He has such a fervor which you don't see very often. It was a beautiful, beautiful conversion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's important for people to understand that it's as long as you're breathing, it's never too late. Never too late. Especially now in which the access of the priests to the hospitals to take, bring the, uh, the consolation of the sacraments to people in the hospitals is uh, sometimes you can't get a priest. It's good to know that you can make an act of perfect contrition and that's uh, when you're truly sorry for your sins, not out of fear of going to hell, but out of love of God, and also repudiating all of your past sins, having no more attachment to any sin, not even to venial sin. It's important to make those acts of perfect contrition if you can't see a priest in a situation where you're in a hospital or a car accident or something like that. It's very important to know that. And hopefully we'll be able to get uh, into the hospitals again to see these people. I know as a deacon, uh, one of my uh, my jobs is to go out to the hospitals and to, and to visit people and to take uh, uh, the communion to them. And uh, it's been very frustrating in the last couple of months not being able to get into hospitals to see the people who are there um, that really need some consolation from the church. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a friend that died recently, and the priest wasn't able to get into the hospital. So yeah. th this is a time. Actually, uh, one of the messages of Our Lady of Good Success, which is a beautiful apparition of the Blessed Mother to some Spanish nuns that Ecuador. were... Yes, Quito, Ecuador. About, about, about 400 years ago. About 400 years ago, exactly, was that she, looking into the future and prophesizing about our times, talked about how the last rites or the, the sacrament of extreme unction would be very rare actually talked about that. Yeah, and, and how the uh, uh, family uh, and, and that is going to be attacked, the concept of marriage and family. Absolutely, uh, the, the, because it symbolizes the union of Christ with the Church. Right. So uh, the, the forces of evil, you know, they'll, they'll make up these laws to try to extinguish the sacrament of marriage. 
trying to make it easy for people to live in sin, uh, have illegitimate births, and, and not have the church's blessing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how is the reception from the public, and especially from the Catholic public? You know, it's funny that uh, we've been doing public rallies, standing on street corners and engaging the public in prayer, and it's always we always, we always track how the repercussion of the public is. We even have signs that engage the public, like Pray for America or Honk uh, for the Conversion of America or uh, things like Join Us at the, with the Rosary, things that engage people that are going by. And this year... After the coronavirus crisis, we've seen an increase of support, people waving, people honking, people giving us the thumbs up, some people actually stopping and getting out of their cars and joining us in prayer. So I think what you said earlier is true, that in this time of crisis, God is speaking to people more loudly than before. Uh, In past years, we would have a sympathy of the public, but not effusive like now. Now uh, we'll, we'll go out there with signs like honk to reopen America. God, God is, is essential business, you know. Uh, we, can't, we can't quarantine God and things like that, and people are very happy to see those signs more than before. Wonderful. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to uh, know. So I'm, well, I perused your website before this uh, discussion. What, what, what is the website address? Yes. Get, why don't you give it to us? Because www.a. NF, like for America, needs Fatima.org. Very good, because it has such, it's not just about your organization. There are so many tools and prayers and opportunities for us to be engaged. Right, prayer novenas, opportunity to send flowers to our native Fatima in Portugal, all kinds of opportunities to become a rally captain, join with, the, with this large network of rosary rallies being spread all throughout the country. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there, www.a nf.org that uh, stands for America Needs Fatima. Very good. Very good. Robert, I want to thank you for joining us today. God bless you. We'll keep you in our prayers. Hope that your work is very uh, productive and uh, bears much fruit as, as it should and as we need right now. God bless you, Robert. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Robert Ritchie from America Needs Fatima. You're listening to Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Faith on Trial. We'll be back in about three minutes. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu kwky. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. And welcome back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, Gina, interesting program again today. Very interesting. I think the two topics, while they seem disassociated, are are very relevant. Um, I think the message of Fatima and the um, emphasis on praying the rosary through her messages to us um, is an effective weapon ag- against um the purge of of abortion Mm -hmm. and i think um and all that's going on around us she has saved us through her rosaries and her prayers and her intercession for years you know back um this past fall i was at a a deacon conference in long island new york and it was a marian conference and i was next door to one of the presenters who is a monsignor who worked something like 20 years in the vatican on marian issues and he was an interesting man to talk to, and uh, maybe he would make a good guest someday. Somewhere I've got his card. He's down in Louisiana, and um, uh, we will see. I think these um, group rosaries, I don't know if you were involved in any through the coronavirus and the lockdown, um, were very effective. People from all over the, you know, we had Zoom meetings mm-hmm. where we prayed the rosary. It was a kind of, it was a beautiful thing, and it made it a little more interesting. You're not alone, more than two in my name, and it was really, um, I think it's helpful. I'm technologically challenged, so I had trouble getting into all these things, so I just sat in my room and said my rosary and it's important to do that it's important to uh, especially the prayers that you other prayers that you 
pray during the day. Those, I think, are all important to kind of keep you in touch. But anyway, speaking of prayers, let's end with a prayer here. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us again this week. For Gene and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week and every Thursday at 10 o'clock for another Faith on Trial. We want to thank, of course, Paul and Paul at Imaging Ingredients. Uh, We appreciate their support, and we look forward to yours. We will see you again next week, next Thursday, same time, same station. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients.